Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began, and a lot has changed on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone, and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, wait, this baby is a clutch? I thought it was an automatic. We talk baby gear with New York Times columnist Kevin Riz. Plus, Biz is in a mood. Woo! Woo! Okay. It's my <laughs> birthday today. Oh, happy Thank birthday. You. Yes. Today, uh, Lefty and Minnie were chasing a frog in the yard, trying to catch it because Lefty is a great dad. And I am squeamish about frogs, so there's no way I'm catching it for her. Micro is getting over roseola, so we are oh. snuggling on a chair in the shade. You know, oh. lovely afternoon, sweet family moment, right? Lefty brings over his hands, cupped oh, no. around the frog. Yes. And I think, aw, isn't that nice? Oh, no. He's holding it so Micro can see. Then he chucks the frog at me. No. And remember, I know I'm freaked out by frogs. No. I scream, full out, push micro to the ground, and scramble <laughs> out of the chair. She's crying. I'm crying. <laughs> Lefty is mortified, apologizing. <laughs> Maybe who the fuck knows where. The frog has taken off. Oh, yeah. The thing is, I wasn't even mad at Lefty. I totally understand what he was trying to do. Like, trying to make me go, oh, you're so cheeky. Oh. Uh, but it seems very thematic of what life has been lately. Like, just sitting, minding my own business, and someone comes and throws a frog at me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. You got a frog too. Wow, that, well, that is, that's a t-shirt just for you. You know, everything's fine. And then somebody throws a frog at you. There is really probably nothing more unsettling than when people throw things that are alive at you. Sometimes that could be aggressively trying to put a baby in your arms. I find that terrifying. Or, you know, like somebody is a cricket. Right? Like, because there's that moment between, there's like, there's two types of frogs, insects, whatever, coming at you. There is type A, which your husband provided a wonderful example of. Oh, ha, ha, I'm throwing. Now, and also, let's all know that he did not like major league style probably throw this at you. The experience definitely felt like throwing. It was probably more of a gentle toss. Right, but that's not how it reads to the person who has the frog being tossed at them. So there is, there's that style. But then there's the impending doom of being jumped on by something that you didn't ask to jump on you. So child, lefty, whoever comes at you with a, like a grasshopper in their hand, and they're going to show it to you. I will be honest. Even if they say, I have a roly-poly in my hand, there is that moment where you think they're going to open their hands up and that roly-poly is going to leap out, lurching towards my face. It's going to go in an ear. It's going to go in my mouth. It's going to go down my shirt. doesn't matter. It's 
very unnerving. And uh, 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 so, yeah, that's no. Uh, yeah, I, I get that moment. I get the I'm going along and then somebody throws a frog at you moment. I see you. Happy birthday. You're doing a wonderful job. Really above and beyond, above and beyond, especially in that particular moment. Happy birthday to you. I'm, I'm okay, everyone. I gotta tell you, so I'm having one of those moments. I've definitely been in a bad mood. I have definitely been in an irritable, I don't even want to hear someone chew near me kind of irritable mood. And you know, I, uh, we all have those moods. It all happens. I I don't have to tell you that being talked at all the time or just touched all the time or interrupted all the time or just the noise of people in your house and stuff in your house, that that can sometimes result in having a few days or a week of being highly irritable. But I, along with the irritability, I'm having one of those Moments where I think, am I putting in too much into parenting? That is a legitimate question. Am I worrying too much? Am I overthinking too much? And I am not on the extreme end. I just mean like, oh, I'm going to start thinking about this thing. And now I'm putting, how can I solve that problem? How can I fix that? How can I make that easier? How can I uh, support? How can I border? How can I step away? How can I, right? Like there is, have I, oh, is there like, because I am a problem solver by nature. If like, let's say for example, Ellis wants to customize one of their Lego pieces, right? Now, no, we're not going to paint it. That will bring great disappointment at some point in time in the future. But, you know, when they're like, well, that's it. I can't do it and it's all done, I would like my children to think, no, that's just the beginning of the problem-solving process. And in my head, I'm like, you know, I know, this is not an unsolvable problem. This is not one of those moments in life where you say, that's it. You're going to have to just sit with this. You know, I, Stefan's traveling. I'm sure, though, when Stefan comes home, we can probably make a sticker really easily and that looks pretty good. And you can stick it on, right? Like, so, and then I think, is this why I'm so tired? <laughs> Yes, that is part of it. Is this the normal amount or is it above normal? What is acceptable? And is it detrimental to my children or more importantly, me? I don't have an answer to any of those questions. I am hoping that you understand what, I, what I'm trying to get at here, which is that that realization, that moment of realization where you go, is this too much? Am I doing too much? And I, I think the answer is probably yes, if you're even asking the question, or it's normal. I don't, I don't know, guys. I'm just, I'm in that moment. That's where I am. Irritable, tired, and uh, now going to analyze how I parent. Happy, happy Thursday. Speaking of overanalyzing things, I think that's going to tie in nicely to what we're going to talk about with our guest, Kevin Roos, today, which is baby gear, 
Should we be skeptical of it? Or is it the greatest thing that will ever happen to us? Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Everybody, I am very excited to be speaking with Kevin Roos, who is an award-winning technology columnist for The New York Times and the best-selling author of three books, Future Proof, Young Money, and The Unlikely Disciple. He is also the host of Rabbit Hole, a New York Times-produced podcast about internet culture. (laughs) That is a rabbit hole, but I'm sure that is. And a regular guest on The Daily, as well as other leading TV and radio shows. He writes and speaks regularly on many topics, including automation and AI, social media, and online extremism. Before joining The Times, he was a writer at The New York Magazine and a host and executive producer of Real Future, a documentary TV series about technology and innovation. (laughs) We could talk about a lot of different things. Depends on what kind of mood we want to have for the rest of the day. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, happy to go wherever you want to go. Well, now I'm just like, is AI good for our babies? Can we can we just, can the metaverse make parenting easier? But before I actually let you answer that, because I kind of want to know, who lives in your house? Right now in my house, I am joined by my, my spouse, my wife, our six, almost seven month old baby, and our two giant dogs. Giant dogs. And a house full of uh, various robots. We've got the Roomba, <laughs> whose name is Bruce. Bruce Roos. Nice. Oh, nice. You couldn't name. Did you name the kid a, a rhyming <laughs> name, or did you like? Sorry, we named the the vacuum. No, the kid. The kid has a name that it just does not rhyme with. Right, okay. uh, rhyme with Roos. But I do like the uh, the Roomba. I, we just got this. It's a. It's in one of the new models, and it uh, it texts you. So, like, I just get these texts when I'm, like, you know, out running errands or something. That's like, Bruce is stuck and needs help. And it's like, I'm sorry, Bruce. I'll, sorry, you Bruce. Know, can't do anything for you. If you got into that situation, you can get out of that situation. Exactly. A little fish taught me that. And maybe yeah. you might have seen Nemo. <laughs> Technology texting me is, that's just a relationship I'm not sure I want to foster, but if they will one day be our overlords, yeah, I we might be, be nice making to him. a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, right. my, that's my feeling about Bruce is like, you know, he's not sentient, but like his grandchild probably will be. Yeah. And they'll remember. They'll remember how we treated them when in their times of need when they were stuck yeah. on, a, on a ledge. Yeah, do you ever just text back, fuck you, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I haven't started back talking, but I, I have noticed since I've started reporting more on AI that I am nicer to Alexa. Because um, oh. I, you know, I say like, please oh, uh, yeah. set a timer because I just yeah. feel like, you know, she's going to remember. Yeah. Now, my mother, who is 80 and very Southern and polite, is very, I mean, like Alexa has some issues. Sorry, everybody, for setting off all of your devices in yeah. your home right now. <laughs> we really need like no, a code word. No, I will say, mine never go off when I just casually say that. But if I say something like, yeah, that was bothering me the other day when that ghost, whoop, you hear that? I was like, why is it picking up on that word? Anyway, see, 
always listening. I should text Alexa and tell her to stop it. But my mother apologizes. She says, please and thank you. Sometimes I think she just wants to know how Alexa is doing. But the real gift that we have given my mother is teaching her that she can ask Alexa to fart. No. And yeah. Have you, you've, you're a technology guy. You know it does this. I have never tried it. it. It's the greatest thing ever. Everybody should just go right now and ask, ask, <laughs> ask you know who to, to fart. And not only will she do it, she will say, that was a wet, juicy one. No. Would you like to hear a trumpet fart? And then you're Come like, on. yes, I do. And so when my mother's having a particularly stressful or bad day, she'll walk into her room, close the door and say, Alexa, play me up. Fart. And, I- <laughs> <laughs> and now you just set that off in yeah. every listener's yeah, house. You're so- welcome. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. And it's what I think technology is for. So well, thank you for teaching me something I didn't know about technology. I can't believe that that's I win, everybody. I just won. I don't know what. Probably servitude to our technology overlords for years but yeah they're gonna be like that woman who made us fart, fart? all the time I didn't, I, we're, I didn't we're taking them. her out in the first <laughs> wave of the that revolution be, yeah when the revolution happens i'm just gonna constantly as i'm marching to whatever form of servitude they've got set for me i'm gonna sometimes lean in and be like fart and then they'll be like oh no ah, it'll be you and that. like and like you know half a million 11 year old yes. boys yes yes Yes, you just nailed <laughs> nailed me. That's who I am. All right. You have a six-month-old in your house. So let me ask you in all honesty, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah? I wouldn't say I'm the most rested that I've ever been in my life. <laughs> um, but I am like, you know, I'm enjoying it quite a bit, much yeah. more than I sort of anticipated. And, uh, and it's, it's, really, it's really fun. He's yeah? delightful. Yeah, is he is he doing anything? Because if I remember correctly, they don't do a lot in yeah, those he's, first he's couple rolling. of months. Rolling is is new to the to the menu. <laughs> Laughing, he um, does this like trumpet thing with his mouth, where he yeah. he you know just goes like <laughs> for like you know an hour straight. Yeah. So really, just having a great time. So you wrote this piece in the New York Times that was titled, I was skeptical of baby gear, then I became a dad. And it was, it was such a great piece, as well as just a spot on conversation that I think a lot of parents have. And I really appreciate that the outcome was, yeah. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in for the baby gear. Talk a little bit about that, like, pre-kid Kevin and the post-kid Kevin. Yeah, so I was, as I said in the title of the piece, like, I was very skeptical of of sort of baby gear, but in particular, like, fancy baby gear. Like, I just thought, <laughs> you know, we had friends who had kids and had, you know, done all this research and bought, you know, the Primo stroller and the, you know, Wi-Fi enabled, you know, nightlight and the the high-end diaper pail. And I was just kind of like, does any of this stuff seem necessary? Like, babies <laughs> survive for millennia uh-huh. without this stuff. 
does our kid really need to, to, like well you know will he care if we have you know the the memory foam you know changing pad uh that looks like it's ready for you know an instagram photo shoot yeah or could we just like use an old towel right and partly that's because like i'm cheap and and yeah. i you know didn't want to spend thousands of dollars on stuff that you know our kid would outgrow anyway yeah but i also like just sort of thought like this whole sector is just ridiculous uh, you know you can sell anything to parents who are nervous and yep. worried and looking for some modicum of of control over what is like you know a pretty uh stressful experience of of sort of you know waiting for a baby so i was luckily overruled on this by by my spouse who uh did want some baby gear and did a lot of research and sort of you know asked me if i would do some research with her and um I'm very glad because I have totally changed my mind about this. I am now a full-fledged gear dad. I've become radicalized and <laughs> gear-pilled. And I now like have very strong feelings about most categories of baby gear and an extremely long Google Doc uh, um, full of recommendations that I now send to all of our friends who, uh, who get pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Welcome to the other side, Kevin. The, yeah, I've seen the light. The stuff. They don't tell you. I don't know if it's necessarily about seeing the light, but it's the level of like, what did I just become? A little bit. Like, yeah. it's the pre-post conversations of like, I'm never going to, or I'm always going to, or whatever that person's doing with their baby, <laughs> there's no way that is right. And then you're, I don't know, roaming the streets at 2 a.m. pushing a baby because it's the only way you're going to get to sleep. And so like, the gear, I think, is such a part of that. And there are things that are mockably like a ripoff and a scam. For example, if you would like a photo album, it's going to cost 20 to like 30 or 40 bucks even on the high end. If you want a photo album that is called a baby photo album, it's 90 bucks, mm. right? Or a wedding photo album. It's nine. Here is a towel. Here is a baby towel, right? Mm -hmm. Like that. <laughs> they're definitely, definitely things like that. But those aside, so my husband also skeptical. We've had many of those. Guys, I know, like you know, you know what? In fact, with marriage, we don't even need to do that. I'm like, we're doing it. I'm old school, right? Like, there's that. Like, <laughs> I've heard that same conversation, that same oh. line of thinking, and. They were a little like skeptical, especially of stuff like rockers or like the self-soothing things. And so, you know, if we got one, it had to be the one that was like the Bjorn that was like, it's all natural and you're still going to have to do most of the work, <laughs> which works great for some babies. My second child, no, nothing, nothing was really helpful. And I, it, this is my personal gear story of where I thought this was a mistake but I'm doing it. So second child, really, really very uh, hard to comfort. Every time you put them on the table to change the diaper, it was, it was like they were being murdered. Mm. And I was like, I can't, this is, <laughs> it's a, it was very high stress. And I was like, I want a baby wipe warmer. And Stephanie mm. was like, that's really, that, that's dumb. Right. And I'm like, I appreciate it. 
I appreciate that it's done. But I am going to get one. And I'm going to order it at 2 o'clock in the morning because that's when I'm thinking about it. And then it came, and that warm, moist wipe prevented some screaming. And mm. I was like, that was 100% worth it. That was huh. that was worth all the money in the world. If you would have turned around to me after I'd had one good moment and say, oh, we forgot to tell you, you have to do monthly installments now. <laughs> I would have been like, I'm Sign in. Me up. I'm in. Yeah. Because it yeah. is, it, it is all about, it's not about the baby. No, that was really a big paradigm shift for me was that I, I, had, I had gone into this process thinking that like the baby gear was for the baby and it's not. <laughs> it's, I mean, almost none of it actually yeah. matters to the baby and, you know, it doesn't, no one ever like looks back <laughs> as an adult and says like, I really <laughs> wish my, my wipes had been yeah, warm. warm. You know, I really suffered a lot because they were cold. Like, I, I would have had such a different life. I would have, right, yeah. I would have been an astronaut now if right. my wife had just been warm. But I, you know, I think that there are things that I would put into the category of kind of gear that makes you a better parent. Whether yeah. it's more rest, you know, because your baby's sleeping better. We we got this uh, crazy like robot bassinet yeah. that they have now, the Snoo which, you know, can spare you some middle of the night wake ups. And in our case was, was very helpful for that. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, it doesn't, the baby doesn't care, but it's good for the parent. And I think yeah. that means that, you know, we can be more present and, and rested and have a better time. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. One of the things you mentioned in the piece, and I thought this was great, was that as your wife's pregnancy went along, you and you started looking into the gear and you were feeling at the time, I guess, anxious and unhelpful for, I think, your words, that researching gear and like looking into gear was something that you felt gave you some sense of control and interestingly helped you maybe even learn about babies, right? Because I think that whoever's gestating a baby <laughs> or or whoever's going to be the primary caregiver if you're adopting a baby or going through a surrogate process, they tend to maybe do a little more research. And the other person's like, what am I supposed to be researching? What am I supposed to be doing? I Or I don't really want to learn that much about babies. I'm sure it'll be fine, which is I, as the gestator, made a mistake of going that route. Mm. Uh, <laughs> So what did you learn, not so much about the gear itself, but about like preparing you for parenting in some way or babies? Yeah, I mean, you're right that this this came out of a feeling of like, I you know, as the non-birthing, non-gestating partner, <laughs> I was just feeling totally useless. Like, I can't do anything. I can, you know, rub your feet or, you know, I can, you know, go out and do errands and, you know, get what we need, go grocery shopping, whatever, when you're in your third trimester. But I, it just, I was feeling very sort of powerless over the situation, which is part of the reason that I think the gear hunt appealed to me was like, you know, I can't, I can't make your symptoms go away, but I can, you know, put together a list of, you know, eight strollers. Um, so that, that was a kind of, motivating factor. And then I did end up learning some things about 
babies, you know, we went to these prenatal classes yeah, and drawing in very broad strokes here. And obviously this is, this is not always the case, but in our birthing class, a lot of them, the non-birthing partners who, you know, were, were mostly men, these were, these were largely hetero couples and, um, the, the men just didn't seem to know all that much, especially the, the first time dads. Yeah. And I, you know, I was ignorant about some things, but there were some things that I picked up, you know, like, um, how to, how to change a diaper. Like yeah. that's something that I knew because I had, I had, you know, watched a bunch of YouTube videos. I had done research on diaper brands and changing pads. And so I, I knew what sort of to expect, um, things like how do you, safely, you know, what kinds of things are safe to put a baby down in if you need your hands free. And I, you know, would look up recalls and and safety notes and things like that. So, so that's the kind of thing that I felt actually did materially help me. And I feel like gave me some advantages over some of the other um, partners and and non-gestating partners that we met uh, as we prepared to have a kid. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if studying the gear and familiarizing yourself in that way, because I think for a lot of people, even even me as the person who pushed that thing out, this is such a warm and caring show, everybody, that like there's that nervousness of holding, right? Picking babies up, holding them, transferring them into car seats or strollers. And I wonder, did you find that like reading and doing this research gave you more confidence just in general with the gear that is a baby? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like very comfortable holding him, comfortable with things about safety. Like I knew our car seat was installed properly. I knew how to work the carrier. Just a lot of things that I would have spent a lot of frantic time like sort of Googling like as the baby's screaming yeah. and everyone's <laughs> melting down, like <laughs> it's funny. You're all I, crying. <laughs> I did actually have a moment like this when we were getting ready to uh, leave the hospital uh, when he was like two days old. I ran into some snag with the the car seat, and so I ended up like watching a YouTube video in the hospital parking lot, <laughs> and. It was like how to, you know, install this particular car seat. Um, and like every comment was like watching this in the hospital parking lot. <laughs> and like I'm also a dad watching this in the hospital parking lot. And it was just like this fraternity of like yes. overwhelmed, confused dads in the comments of this YouTube video, which I appreciated. Oh, that See, but that's beautiful. Like I find that very comforting. This show has always said a couple of mantras of, you know, you didn't marry an asshole, right? I mean, maybe you did. But let's just say on the whole, you didn't. And when new kids come into your house, there's a lot of easy fallback on some old stereotypes of the old dumb dad, an old incapable dad. And we just, you can't start there because that's A, preventing whoever is in the dad position of learning, growth, experiencing and being awesome right at it. And it puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on another partner, right? Yeah. Like, but it's, that's really hard to navigate because totally. like, you're not sleeping and, you yeah. know, everything's all like not where it's supposed to be. <laughs> and there's this new person. And I think it's those moments of the parking lot, you know, comment section that 
I wish we could shout out more, not only to normalize it. There's like a one bad dad group that came out of the show. And it, it is just this. It's, it's like this most beautiful place of like asking questions. How do I support? How do I handle this? Like there's, of course, the National Dads Network, who are great as well. But I love that. I just I, love I, it. It was very important for me. And I'm not sure why, but it was very important for me before we had a kid to like understand the sort of dad specific advice landscapes. I read a bunch of like books. Most of them were horrible. Horrible. Like, well, most you know, parenting books are in oh fact. Oh my God. I mean, I, I remember like one, one book, it was like, you know, I don't, I don't know what the title was, but it was something like, you know, what, like the, the first time dad's guide to something. And I remember it was like one of the pieces of advice in it was like, get your family's finances in order. It's like, okay, but like, that's so, that's so weird. Another one was <laughs> don't, don't make fun of your wife for always having to pee. And I was like, <laughs> just, just really? some solid, that's just that's life where advice. we are. Like that's, the bar that's... is so low. It's, oh. it's, it's underground. The bar yeah. is underground. Well, now I'm a big fan of low bars. Do not get me wrong. When a kid winds up in your house, the low bar is where we want to belly up to right away. But I agree that sometimes there are these just very misplaced bars. Yes. When it comes to the expectations on dads or the person who is in that role, like, don't make fun of your partner for peeing is like, that's just a life. La like that, that doesn't even need to be in yeah. that book. That's just. I feel like, yeah, if you need a book to like yeah. help you with that one, like you might need more than a book. Well, right. And also your partner may be better at pulling the finances together. Right, right, right. <laughs> you might, exactly. You might be way better at exactly. feeding. Parenting books on the whole are a nightmare. Yeah, Just, but I did, I did find some helpful advice out there. There's actually a, a good community. I'm sure you know folks who listen to the show will be familiar, but I didn't know this. There's a Reddit community mm. called Dadit that is just mm. like there's pre-Dadit and then there's Dadit when you actually have the baby. And um, so I, I actually found those pretty helpful too. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That, it's so funny to gear and resources, even between the time I had my first child and the four years later when I had my second child, the, the changes in general philosophy, the changes in gear. The, I'm like, there is a bassinet out there that'll rock my baby if it starts screaming while I'm asleep. God damn. You know, will it do it to my... 13-year-old, too, when they are not <laughs> I know, happy I was, about something. I was joking something. With, my, with my partner, like, we need one of these for adults, too. I yeah. could use a gentle rock. Oh, night. I could just, like a boat yeah. on the ocean. That would be so nice. All right, last question. I mean, I think this actually folds in really fun to what we were just talking about. And that is, have there been other things that you were skeptical of <laughs> before kids that six months in, you're like, oh, Huh. That is a thing. Or <laughs> other things that my wife was right on that I was oh, wrong no, on. No, no, not that your wife, but that like, you know, it could be the old walk in the park and be like, ooh, why are they rocking that baby so hard? <laughs> like or or sleep is not an issue. Like I have a long list of all of the really dumb things I thought before kids. So or was skeptical of. Yeah, I mean, so this is sort of 
I don't fully have this thought formed in my head yet, but I think, I think there was a lot of messaging that I had absorbed from culture, from media, from just, you know, people uh, who, you know, were parents before us. There's a lot of, I would say like sort of commiseration based Mm. parenting community out there. That's like, a bunch of, you know, I think this happens for both men and women in slightly different ways, but I was certainly like conditioned to not dislike being a parent, but to, Mm. but to be exhausted, to be over my head, to be sort of like overwhelmed and chaotic all the time. I think there's a lot of sort of social pressure to at least in in worlds that I inhabit to complain about yeah. parenthood. Yeah. And th- I think that's totally valid for a lot of people. And I also realize where that comes from because I think for a long time you weren't allowed to complain about being a parent. Right. And that was, especially for, for women, it was like, this has to be like the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. And if it's right. not like you're doing something wrong. So I think there's like a good and natural reaction to that. Um, that was like, let's be very open about the parts of parenthood that are not fun. And so I feel like when, when my spouse was pregnant, um, I got a lot of this, like people would just like randomly come up to us at restaurants and they would see, (laughs) they would see my wife's belly and they would sort of look at me with this like, kind of like, you know, miserable expression. They would go, you know. Treasure your sleep now. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, never yeah, coming yeah. back. It's never coming back. You're and never it's so gonna hard. be a the person again. The first six months are so hard. Yeah. You're never going to be a person again. And so I, you know, I didn't buy into all of that, but I was certainly ready to be all of those things, to be exhausted, to be overwhelmed. And so I guess the thing that I was surprised by is just how much I liked it right away. Yeah. And I felt a little bit like contrarian and countercultural for mm. like you know I would I would just people would sort of, you know, that they know you have a newborn. And so they try to like bond with you over that. And they say, Oh, I'm so sorry. You must be like having the worst time. And it's like, no, I'm actually doing pretty well. But that, I mean, that is a fair place to be. And I agree. I think, I think there is a fine line between complaining and, and voicing against the norm. Like I think for us, on this show, and for me in particular, that realization that I was happy that I had chosen to become a parent. But it turns out I didn't really like it that much. That wasn't something that I was like, oh, this is just great. I mean, a lot of great moments, right? But the point being that those two things can exist. Yes, I think that's right. At at the same time. It doesn't, and and obviously I don't want to minimize like postpartum depression and anxiety are real. Oh, yes. And lots of people struggle with young children for reasons that have everything to do with their own biology and also circumstances in life. So I'm not... I'm I'm speaking purely no, for like an N of one here. Also, you're also allowed to be loving it. I mean, that's just it. Like that culturally, we've got to stop like feeling like these things are being done at us or that we're doing it at you, right? You loving this, that is good. 
you are not loving this. I have permission. Me. I can. Yeah, I can right? love it. Like exactly. No one even needs to do permission. <laughs> okay, like thank my, you. My old no, co- I, I genuinely feel like I kind of need permission. Oh please, my old co-host. <laughs> she loved infants. I like we describe it as the really beautiful forest and the dark, horrible forest. But guess what? We got to be friends and still talk about parenting and still talk about things without feeling like those experiences negated the other person's experience. And so I actually really appreciate when people come on and honestly say, no, I'm really enjoying this. It's tricky because you don't want (laughs) to like, you don't want to wave it in people's faces who are struggling and say like, oh, I'm having so much fun. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) See, that's the sentence. You just stop the sentence and I'm having so much fun. Right, right. So I'm trying just to be purely descriptive about my own experience and not tell anyone else how they should feel. Yes, no. And we can, we can, I can just respond with a very tired and old joke of, well, we'll see you in six months. (laughs) (laughs) You check back in with me. Kevin, thank you not only for writing that piece, because I do feel that that's one of those conversations and voices about gear and about that lead up to welcoming a child into your home experience that is really helpful in sharing. And I think it was helpful for me as one partner in a relationship reading that view and then the other partner having that view said, and it's just about that camaraderie. It's about finding those places where we don't feel so alone. And so I appreciate you putting this out into the world and congratulations. Thank you. On uh, you, you got a six month old in your house and I'm impressed. You guys are doing clearly such a good job. We're having a lot of fun. I'm really glad. Everybody, we're going to link you up to where you can find uh, rap. Everybody knows how to find things. But we like to make it easier because maybe you've got a kid in your arm at this very moment and don't want to click some. I mean, don't want to go search it. So we'll make it clickable for you. We'll link you up to Rabbit Hole as well as this article, as well as the other works of Kevin Roos. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with challenges. And as a parent, we find those challenges everywhere and all the time. And having somebody to talk to about these experiences and these feelings really is a remarkable tool. A therapist can be that resource. If you are thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash badmother today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash badmother. Her Majesty served Great Britain and the Commonwealth loyally 
for over 70 years. And while, of course, we feel a profound sadness, we must remember she lived a long life and died in such a way that I think many of us would want for ourselves. She was at home, surrounded by her family. And, of course, she was listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast, and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, everybody. Genius me. Me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. Stefan's out of town, and I just put clean sheets on the bed. I put, like, nice, clean sheets that I like that are nice, and I washed the comforter that goes on top. Because that is a special – I really like being in my bed. <laughs> like it's a little place. And just having fresh sheets on the bed was a really nice treat for myself when I got into bed. There you go. I'm a genius. Good morning. I am calling with a genius. My husband is out of town. And uh, my older kids are in school, but my youngest only goes to, like, a little, you know, morning program a couple days a week. And uh, it's been a lot just, you know, (laughs) having all the children all to myself every night for bedtime and all that shit. But my daughter is a delight. And I thought, you know what, I'm not going to... You know, I'm not going to see if she can go to her morning program any more days because I don't need, you know, I don't need it. I like the fact that I have one-on-one time with just the two of us some mornings and, you know, it's going to be fine. And then he left and I realized I needed, like, every free minute that I could get to myself. Uh, I needed to take that. And I thought, well, now it's too late. I didn't ask, you know, in advance. Now it's, you know, it's, it's just I can't do it. And I decided to ask. I just said, you know, hey, I know it's really short notice. It's okay if the answer is no. But if you can take her tomorrow, uh, you know, please let me know. And my daycare provider was happy to take her. And I was happy to send her. And I'm just uh, pulling into a coffee shop, going to go have a little coffee by myself because I'm a fucking genius. (laughs) Bye. Yeah, you are. This this is genius. I have also shared in this genius that moment of this wasn't on my plans. I didn't have this scheduled. And I'm sure at some point I thought that was reasonable and fine. And now I am overwhelmed and tired and I could really use this extra time. And you called and asked if they could take them and they could. And you, you could do it. It's really good. It's a really, really good choice you made. And I see you making it for yourself. Good job. 
failures. Fail, 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 fail! You suck. Okay. Well, it's that time of year, everybody, when it's time for me to talk about the failure that is the inside of my car. And when I... I don't feel like it's a failure when it's just me in the car. I don't even really feel like a failure when my kids are in the car. But when I'm picking up a friend of my kids to take them home after school and they get into the back seat that I've scrambled to try and make somewhat reasonable and there's like one arm weight, like wrist weight, and then there's like a pile of masks, there's a can of beans just rolling around. There's just a rolling around can of beans. There is wrappers of now just bought. Oh, and on the like headrest between the back seat and the trunky area, there's like just a crumpled cowboy hat that's up there that I do wear uh, when I go walking, but it looks like it shouldn't be worn. The front seat where the other child is, that that's mine. That's also a mess. Doesn't matter. I've already destroyed the like sign that you're supposed to put in your car window for car line to identify who your child that. I'm usually pretty good at that one. That was ripped in half by me and my feet like two weeks into school. And the trunk, the trunk is at a place where I don't think about it until I have to open it. Like it's, I have like a mini, like SUV kind of thing. So when I open it, I now I'm like, oh, what's going to roll out? (laughs) That's where we are. That is where we are. And it's not a happy place. And every time I think, this is it, when I get home, I'll clean out the car. But instead, somebody's usually yelling at me as we're getting out of the car. And I just think, I don't ever want to retrace my steps. I just want to keep moving forward. And then we start the day over. Ta-da! And everything's the same. Uh, this is a fail. So over the summer, we made rainbow rice for sensory bins. And originally, I had the kids do it in the kitchen on the tile floor. It was easier to clean up. But then I thought, well, we could do it in the living room on the carpet if I put down a blanket. So I put down I put down a blanket, and I said, <laughs> it stays on the blanket. It doesn't go on the couch. It doesn't go on the carpet. And they said, okay. I mean, they're two and four. I why did I expect, why do I keep thinking that they can just do that? Um, so, I mean, I was actually able to save a lot of it because it was on the blanket, but I had to vacuum up anything that ended up on the couch or the carpet. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I suck. So maybe I should go stick my hands in rainbow rice um, because wow. it is very calming. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Sometimes I think of filling up the bathtub with rainbow rice. And submerging myself in sort of a deprivation style tank, except a lot's not being really deprived of me. It's getting into a lot of places that it shouldn't be. Rainbow rice, you just right there, right there. You said it. You said rainbow rice. And I was like, sure, this is a good intentions gone awry. And, ah, uh, uh, that feeling of, I bet we could. And then realizing, no, we can't. We, we, we can't. And maybe we never will. Maybe we'll never be able. And you're going to find that rice as a horrible, painful reminder for years. For years. Like you'll, you'll think, I've gotten all the rice. And then you'll be packing up holiday decorations and there'll be rice. 
right? You'll be, and you'll be like, it's been like three months. I don't even, it wasn't here when I put the decorations up. But now there's rice. You'll find it like in a shoe. You're going to find it like up on top of like a windowsill. And you'll be like, I don't even know. How, how is it even outside? I don't know. You're going to find this forever, which is, I guess, one of the things that makes these types of fails, glitter fails, uh, rice fails, any sensory sort of bend fails, the most fuck you fails because they never go away and they are always haunting reminders. Well, you're doing a horrible job providing sensory activities for your children. Screw you, Pinterest. <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother supported in part by Green Chef. This fall, choose Green Chef for premium balanced recipes that please your palate and save you time on busy weeknights. Yes, please. Green Chef has expanded their menu from 24 to 30 recipes weekly with the option to mix and match meals from different dietary preferences in the same box. Now that is nice. And now they are offering 10-minute lunches. Sign me up. Green Chef, which is now owned by HelloFresh, who we also really love, makes it so easy during the week to have dinner and now lunch. Sometimes, if we're all working from home, taken care of and made super easy. The recipes are easy and fun to follow. All the ingredients are sent along with it, and it just adds a little variety Uh, to your weeknight dinners as opposed to frozen spaghetti and meatballs again. Go to greenchef.com slash badmother135 and use code badmother135 to get $135 off across five boxes. And your first box ships free. That's greenchef.com slash badmother135 and code badmother135 to get $135 off across five boxes. You're in a theater. The lights go down. You're about to get swept up by the characters and all their little details and interpersonal dramas. You look at them and think, that person is so obviously in love with their best friend. Wait, am I in love with my best friend? That character's mom is so overbearing. Why doesn't she just stand up to her? Oh God, do I need to stand up to my own mother? If you've ever recognized yourself in a movie, then join me, Jordan Cruciola, for the podcast Feeling Seen. We've talked to author Susan Orlean on realizing her own marriage was falling apart after watching Adaptation, an adaptation of her own work, and comedian Hari Kondabolu on why Harold and Kumar was a depressingly important movie for Southeast Asians. So join me every Thursday for the Feeling Scene podcast here on Maximum Fun. All right, everybody, let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, Biz. This is Miriam. Oh, baby. The breakdown while I'm hiding in the bathroom because my kid just fucking hit me again oh. really hard. I'm partly crying because it's fucking hurt and partly because I'm just so mad that she doesn't do this with anyone else. She's 17 months old and I'm sure it's developmental. 
doesn't hit, she doesn't hit her dad. She doesn't hit her other daycare providers, like her grandma's. Nobody, nobody gets hit but me. And I'm not talking like I'm going to smack you, like smack at you because I'm annoyed. Like she, yes, does that to everybody. I'm talking, I'm going to walk up to you with a coffee mug and clock you in the ear. Just now, I'm going to take one of those hard little plastic books that sing, walk up to you and slam it into your face so hard it nearly breaks your glasses. And I'm the only one who does it to it. I'm just like, I thought nicely sitting there with her while she played. And she just walked up and smacked me. Oh, it's because she just, you're her safe space. I don't want to fucking be her safe space. She beats the shit out of me for it. (laughs) Good job you're doing. You're doing, you are doing better than you have to be. You are doing an amazing job. And I'll tell you right now why. One, you took yourself out of the situation and gave yourself a space to feel, you know, safe, as safe as you can um, to process this. You are correct. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, there are absolutely resources out there, not only for you to process and work through your feelings, but also for how to handle situations like this. But that is not what this place is. This is a place where I am here to tell you, I see you. Okay, there are a couple of things that I think are really hard. One, it is incredibly scary uh, to suddenly be hit or bit or kicked, just harmed by your child. It is so unnerving and alarming. And you're right, it hurts. It is startling when your child does something that physically hurts you. And it's such a like, well, what am I supposed to do in this situation? Right? Like this is, I mean, this is my baby. I mean, 17 months, you're right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Developmental. But it, (laughs) 
there's like this Twilight Zone level of totally fucked up nonsense of like, it's only me. They're only doing this to me. Like that. Like, then you feel like it's like the omen, right? Where like Damien just keeps doing stuff to the mom. Oh my God. Wow. Now I'm thinking about that movie in a different way. Like he's like wheeling his little tricycle until she falls off the ledge, right? <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. And you begin, like, I remember, I felt like I lived in a haunted house. And I would say, my house is haunted. The walls are bleeding. And then everybody would be like, you're so cute. Parenting is hard. And then they'd leave and like the walls would like flood with blood. And I'd feel like no one else sees this. No one else sees this. And so I, I see you because that it's so painful and it's so messed up when it feels like or when when it is only happening to you also having to sit with those feelings and ha- i mean it takes it takes a remarkable amount of emotional and mental like strength to pull yourself back in a situation like that. It does. And it's not something people get patted on the back for, right? Like it's not something that people are like, wow, good, good job. Because it's hard. It's hard. And you're tired. Like not only are you in pain, not only is there like an emotional pain with it, but you're also exhausted from that experience. And finally, there's that guilt of feeling like you don't want to be with your child. And that's also scary. That is also really scary. That's so scary. You know it's scary. You're calling me from a bathroom, uh, like like in a horror movie. You know, it's so scary. Um, and it makes you it makes you feel bad. But it doesn't mean it's not valid at all. It, like, I, I, still, I still hate this idea that we're supposed to just, you know, take it as parents as opposed to there being a shit ton of support, a ton of openness, a ton of resources to, that are easily accessible as well as just like peer support, as well as hearing that you're not the only one. And I can tell you, you are not the only one. You're doing such a remarkable job. And I am, I am just, I am so sorry. This is the experience that you're having right now. And, you know, I wish I could be like, it'll be better tomorrow. But like, you know, Maybe we got to find therapy. Maybe we got to find... That's not your sister. I love that you're like, she's a doctor of feelings. I'm like, <laughs> God, I love you so much. And I love the WD-40 so you can get out of the room. Also, genius. But like, even with the support, it can be something that will come back and bite you years from now without knowing it. And I, like, I'm just saying that honestly because I know I can't be alone in, in that because it happens to me. Right? You know, sometimes I still hear the walls, you know, screaming, even though those days are gone. So all that is to say, 
You are doing such an amazing job. And I see you. Everybody, today's show is all about what helps you most as a parent. Okay? Like, it, it that is really should always be in our head, right? Getting an extra hour at the preschool, getting an extra preschool session, seeing if somebody else can give your kids a ride home or take kids to school, asking for help when you go somewhere and like you don't want to get the baby out of the car because they finally fell asleep and calling the receptionist and being like, can you come out and get this, right? Like those types of asking for help are amazing. Or maybe it's gear. Maybe it's just a Dumbo feather, right? That like really has no power whatsoever. But if it helps you, then that feather is magic. So hold on to your feathers. Look for your feathers. Look for whatever those feathers might be. Ask for help. Don't be afraid when somebody you're sharing something with starts to give you advice. Don't be afraid to say, wait, that is really helpful advice. Right now, I'm looking for a place to, to vent, to like put my feelings, to just talk this out loud. I mean, unless the person you're talking to is a complete idiot, they're going to be like, okay, right? There have been plenty of times like Teresa and I have been talking about stuff and she'll be explaining like a situation that they're having and I will listen. And at the end, I'll say, that is really hard. That is a lot. Even though you've thought of all these different things, may I make a suggestion or share an idea? And there have been times she has said yes. And there have been times she has said no. (laughs) That's fine. That is fine. Everybody, you are all doing a good job. You are absolutely in no way alone. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.